Welcome back to Elevated Inspiration for Sunday School. Hey, this is Lesson 11. We're still in our faith series, but today we're talking about a preserving faith. You know, when you think about it, challenges of faithfulness in the realm of values, spirituality, political ideology, relationships, career path, and so forth, we are presented with a bewildering array of choices. The culture in which we live encourages experimentation with all of them as well as hesitancy to commit to any of them. In this way of thinking, the only real mistake is to limit one's option or to give up on some options in favor of others. These are some of the challenges of faithfulness. However, the lesson tours in a different direction. So let's get started. We are in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. We're looking at verses 23 to 27, which is our first outline. The title to it is Hold Fast. The writer of Hebrews tell us, let us hold fast. I like that word that he uses here. Hold fast to the profession of your faith without wavering, for he that is faithful that promise. And then we have a provocation to love. Notice how he said, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, usually when you see the word provoke, it's usually used in a negative connotation. However, in this verse, it says provoked unto love being positive. Let us consider. Consider one another means something like pay attention to each other or focus your mind on helping one another. So once you consider one another, realizing that we cannot live alone, and then the writer tells us to provoke unto love and good works. And then this verse right here that we often have quoted so many times, not forsaking the assemblies of yourselves together as the man of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see that they are approaching. This not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together sometimes is hit on people who don't come to church. However, if you look at these verses here, all together in its totality, I think verse 24 and 25 must come together. So it's not simple on general helpfulness. It is specific. Believers are to provoke, remember that, unto love and good works. The one defines the other. Love is not to be understood here as vague, but love is concrete not abstract but it's concrete because love produces what good works and all of this come together as we are not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together so love good works and the worship assembly is a package deal so we see all of this comes together and it's based on love so when you see the saints you have such love for them that you're producing good works and you're coming together all in that similar and that brings about worship and that is what God really wants in our lives not just to show up for church and to praise but coming together and having love for each other and producing good works and then verse 26 for if we sinful with if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. 
but a certain fearful expectation of judgment, fury and donation, which will devour our adversaries. You know, this verse right here is unique because what the writer is saying, if we sin willfully, and I underline that, then you are doing things that is there's no intent there is intention of doing it you've been given the truth then there's no longer a sacrifice for sin now remember that that sacrifice for sin have reference to what Christ did on the cross remember when he died on the cross the veil ripped so we have access to God by basing all our belief on Jesus' sacrifice. So once you come into the knowledge of that truth, that of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and then you go ahead and sin willfully, what it's saying is there's no longer a sacrifice. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in the next verse. However, I have a question that I want you to consider is this. Why is it necessary for the author of Hebrew to encourage the audience to hold fast to their faith? And then the next question is, what is what is the wrong way to this demonstrate faith when a wave of life crashes your way and then this next question here i want you to really think about how many times per month should you attend church services in order to honor the intent of hebrew 10 25. <laughs> and then how do you answer that question without becoming legalistic okay now, don't falter. We're looking now at Hebrews 10, 28 and 31. Okay, now, I want to continue from that about sinning willfully because here the writer says, think about Moses' law. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So when you look in the Old Testament, if you violated one of the laws, you usually and you had a witness and you had to have two witnesses or three that validate that you violated that law you know what happened to you you were stoned to death think about the lady who got caught um sinning and they brought her to jesus this is what this is referring to mosaic law mosaic law said you should stone her and we know what jesus did but I want you to look at this verse here, contempt for the spirit. It says, oh, how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the son of God underfoot? In other words, you've been taught the truth. You know that Jesus died on the cross for you. You've been forgiven of your sin and you turn away from that. Counted the blood of the covenant, which he has sacrificed a common thing. And then you insulted the spirit of grace. The spirit of grace. You insulted that. Because you are not doing, you're saying, away with it. Apostasy is what you're saying. I don't believe this anymore. And you turn away from it. And notice how the writer ends. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, said the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. So what the writer is saying is that when you sin willfully, 
and you realize and you turn from what you have been taught, you've been forgiven of your sin, and you have you actually insult the spirit of grace. You have trampled the Son of God under your foot, and you turn your nose, you become an apostasy. What is your punishment is going to be? Okay, so now the question that we're going to look at is beginning with a logic rather than quoting scriptures, how will you respond to someone who believes that God's loving nature means we can keep doing whatever we want? Then we're going to dig a little bit deeper saying, what if the person mentioned Samson as an example of someone who did as he pleased, yet still enjoyed God's favor? Oh, we're going to have a good discussion on this. And then next question is, what area of life do you most need to give to the Lord in letting him judge rather than you trying to do it yourself? And then the last verse, the writer goes back and he says, he's talking about remember the past. This is Hebrew 10, 32 36. He says, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endure great struggle with suffering. Partly while you made a, a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulation, partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Basically what he's saying here is that, go back and remember, you remember how you, you were a believer and then you suffer for it? For you have compassion on me and my chains, joyful accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better enduring possession for yourselves in heaven so he's going back and saying remember the past remember how we suffered together but we always kept our eyes on our call realizing that this place is not our home and then he ends with this verse therefore do not cancel away your confidence don't cancel away your confidence which have great reward for you will for you have need of endurance so you got to have confidence and this walk with Christ is correct. Your faith in him is correct. You got to endure what you're going through with so that after you have done the will of God, I like this, you will receive the promise. After you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. You know, there's challenges in every age. The story of I will letter to the Hebrews, the story of the people throughout the history. And we have cultural pressures even today. There's challenges of being faithful still remains even today. But we got to keep our eyes on God's promise and hope. When we will remain faithful to the very end and receive everything God desires for us. You know, my lesson learned from this is that I challenge myself to reduce legalism in my life. Instead of separating the key tenets of faith, I must synchronize my worship with love and good works. Remember we talked about that? Towards my fellow brothers and sisters. In other words, I must exercise encouraging, loving, and assisting others along with worshiping together. And I thought to remember is God promises are certain for all who walk the difficult path 
of faith. Let me say that again. God promises are certain for all who walk the difficult path of faith. At this time, I want to just take a few moments and just reflect on this lesson. Reflect on the subject, which is a preserving faith. You know, that subject means a whole lot to you when you think about how we must preserve our faith. Now, the key verse today was, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. And that is from the New King James Version. When we realize that what we have confessed, let's hold to it. You know, when we think about grace, grace is something understood as a free gift of God. And we don't want to lose that grace. We want to hold to our faith. And I want to end with this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the midst of strong pressures, Grant us strength to remain faithful to your son through the spirit of grace. May we seek each day to live a life worthy of our calling in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.